Welcome to Black Body Health, the podcast. This is the show where we come together to talk about the intersection of our health and our culture. Podcasting from South Louisiana, this is Brittany Castine, preacher, pastor, political junkie, and now podcaster. And I am Ideal Ortiz, your co-host with Brittany, hailing from the Bull City and a longtime public health advocate. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's get started. Chadwick Boseman, major, major figure, um, not just with respect to Hollywood and the world of acting, but just an incredible human being, a great guy uh, with a very powerful story. Um, You know, most people are familiar with his acting because of Black Panther, but we know he has a long and storied career um uh, on the scene for quite some time now and has showed certainly a um versatility right yeah i mean i really admired there's an interview he did where he talked about how he just turned down certain roles because he wanted to make sure he had space to say yes to the right role that example of making space for the right thing um, saying no to the things that aren't for you so you can say yes for the things that are for you. And we are so thankful that he was able to do that because if he hadn't have done that, he wouldn't have had time in his schedule to do Black Panther. Yes. And so after a several years long struggle with colon cancer, uh, Chadwick Boseman died uh, just a couple short weeks ago. Some months ago, uh, he made a post on social media and social mm-hmm. media, Twitter, everybody went crazy about how small he had become about his physical appearance how much yeah. it drastically changed uh some of yeah. some folks thought he was preparing for some different role others yeah. thought something else was going on uh really for me now that we sit back and ha- all have the ability to sort of monday morning yeah. quarterback it just tells me that we need to be a bit more compassionate uh in how we deal yeah. with people because we never Gosh, know no never matter how know. public a person is we don't know what their oh, private yeah. struggles are Yeah, we just, I think we're so tough on people. We think that, oh, if you're a celebrity, if you're wealthy, if you're talented, you might escape the ills of something like this. But this this whole public loss for us means that no one is exempt. We must all really be proactive um, about our health. And that's not to say that he wasn't proactive, but just that None of us are exempt, and we can all do what we can. Yeah, I was affected by this, you know, in a major way. Like, my psyche was just thrown off. I was just in in a bad, you know, funk, in a terrible mood Mm -hmm. about all that, you know, transpired. And just being able to see and experience sort of grief together via social media with Mm -hmm. millions of people sort of across the globe was a real powerful thing. I I was able to see, like, unfortunately, I do not have children. But uh, for my friends and families and others who do yes. have children who um, had a moment to sort of celebrate um, Black excellence, Black greatness um, through the form of Black Panther, that was a major. And uh, parents yeah. have been sort of having to cope with and walk that fine line of saying, you know, Black Panther, the character lives on. But Chadwick Boseman, um, who played that character masterfully, um, has not. It's just been really interesting to see how all of this plays out. Um, but certainly, you know, um, black men uh, with respect to colon cancer, we know that we need to get screened um, very early or I guess much earlier than our white counterparts. Uh, I know, for example, within my own family, my grandfather and all of his brothers 
have had colon cancer at some part wow. point. Um, fortunately, yeah, fortunately, none has uh, died of it. But, you know, they've had it. They've, they've been able to beat it. And so, you know, it's on my radar uh, to go and get yeah. screening much earlier than 50. Um, you know, yeah. and, and hopefully and prayerfully that uh, I'll be able to be on top of it and remain in great health no matter what the um, no matter what the results are there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, oh, my heart is with all of us who are grieving the loss and certainly to his friends and family and his coworkers who I know are really feeling the loss. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Yes, yes, yes. Rest in power. <laughs> So excited to have Dr. Collier join us, being known as the hip hop doc all throughout Atlanta. He's also a regular on the syndicated Ricky Smiley show. And so he gives regular advice related to cardiovascular health, colon cancer, as well as uh, providing key information, but regular screenings to help keep us all happy. So I'm looking forward to having this great conversation today with Dr. MJ Collier. Thank you so much, Dr. MJ Collier, for being with us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. We love giving medical information. It is so sought after and sought out. Individuals just like to know, you know, what's going on with their bodies. What can they do to stay healthy? What can they do to maintain good health? And, you know, oftentimes they are in the healthcare system, but they're not getting what they need out of the system. Mm. That's right. And I think that obviously with the very tragic and sad news of losing such a great man in Chadwick Bozeman, health and what we can do about our health is really at the top of people's minds. So we just wanted to spend some time today speaking with you and capitalizing on that interest, right? Um, where communities are looking for more information. People are looking to find out what can I do to protect my health? Because certainly, um, you know, when we think about a man like Mr. Bozeman, who seemed larger than life and is, you know, a hero and a man um, that many people just thought, you know, he has so many years ahead of him. And, and we certainly hoped for that much. Um, hey, you know, people are interested. Oh, he, Chad was, was just a superhero, a champion and a soldier to have dealt with colon cancer for the past That's four right. years. He filmed nine movies after his diagnosis. So this is just absolutely, you know, people ask, how was he able to do that? Well, one, you know, any chronic disease state is a mental state of mind. You have to decide you're going to be bigger than the disease, that you're not mm -hmm. going to let it stop you from doing those things you want to do. And you have to decide, am I going to live life for whatever and how long that's going to be? Am I going to just, you know, sit back and woe is me until my time comes? So I think yeah. he's a perfect example of that. And, and again, brought to the attention of a lot of people of uh, the disease state of colon cancer. This is, yeah. you know, been one It's you know, not a popular topic and people, you know, it's an area of the body people don't like to discuss, but it is mm. the, the number three cancer. The number one cancer is lung cancer in men and wow. women, regardless of whether you have a history of smoking or not. And that's what a lot of people are surprised about. They say, but I don't even mm. smoke, but still. Lung cancer, number one. Number two, breast cancer in women mm -hmm. and prostate cancer in men. And number three in both is colon cancer. So, wow. you know, if you're doing those things, if you don't smoke and, you know, you're doing those things to monitor, which most women will do, they're getting their mammograms to monitor their breast cancer risk. And hopefully men are getting their digital rectal exams and prostate exams to monitor their prostate 
a cancer risk, but people mm-hmm. aren't getting colonoscopies, which, you know, makes it's the easiest diagnostic test to get. It's the one that you can intervene in when a precancerous lesion is found. You can have it dealt with immediately. You- oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was just going to ask, you know, because I think a lot of the marketing for health messages, you're right, focus on prostate and breast cancer. I don't, even though number one is lung cancer, I don't feel like I hear about that one as much, which is why it's kind of like shocking me because you think that the size of the messaging or the, or the saturation of the messaging would match up to its, um, I the guess- The prevalence of the disease the Yeah. Right, what kind of- thing. And that's where we're mm-hmm. going now. One, the, the incidence and prevalence of, of colon cancer is increasing. I know when I started practicing medicine so many years ago, you know, colon cancer, it happened on very, very rare occasions. And it really wasn't even a big topic of discussion amongst my patients, particularly people of color. And in my practice mm-hmm. lifetime, I have seen this develop into a major problem. Everybody knows someone or has had a family member that has been affected or impacted by colorectal cancer. And everybody is aware of the colonoscopy now, but uh, most people still haven't gotten it, particularly men. You know, we have to get away from this macho manly uh, avoidance of things that are below the waist as far as your health care is concerned. See, and this is why I say patriarchy (laughs) is killing y'all. Y'all keep playing with this patriarchy. Y'all better get that thing dealt with. Um, Now, I've been hearing you refer to it a couple different ways. So help me out with the with the language here, doctor. Colorectal or colon cancer? Well, the formal term is colorectal, but colon cancer. The the GI tract is literally one long tube from your mouth to your anus. So you have Mm -hmm. your your mouth, your esophagus, your stomach, your small intestines, large intestines, sigmoid colon and rectum. But it's all one space. But in the, you know, as far as the colon is concerned, the colon and the rectum or the, the rectum is really just the latter portion of the colon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it also is one of the areas where you have the most common cancers formation. Uh, Got it. And most people. Now, now that is considered the left side of your colon. Envision your colon as an upside down U with the base mm-hmm. crossing your abdomen at your, your uh, umbilicus or your belly button. So it's an upside down U. And so on your left hand side, that's that's the empty inside of the colon or called the descending colon. The transverse colon is what goes across your stomach at your umbilical level and the ascending colon or the right side of the colon. Now, they used to do a test frequently called a flexible sigmoidoscopy where they really just looked at the rectum and the left side of the colon because that's where most cancers were. But now mm-hmm. we're finding disproportionately in African-Americans the cancers on the right side. And so the flexible sigmoidoscopy didn't even look on the right side of the colon. But the colonoscopy looks all the way through from the rectum all the way to the distal colon where the small intestine uh, okay. comes in. And we want to... We want to make sure people have their language straight, right? Yes. So when you say colorectal cancer and colon cancer, you are not talking about two different cancers affecting the same type of the same part of the body. You're talking they're just different names for the same Basically, thing. Basically the terms are interchangeable. That's right. And help me now know. So when people look for an early screening uh to to see what their uh status is with this particular kind of cancer, they should be asking for what? Make that plain for folks. A colonoscopy, a screening colonoscopy. Now, under the Affordable Care Act, uh, Obamacare, there were 13 different tests that were designated as uh, at, that should be provided at no cost under any insurance plan and with no copay. 
So you for you know, that includes mammograms for women, prostate exams, and and PSA testing for men. So say that again. That no copay. No cost <laughs> and no copay. And and again, I, I'm going to give you a little secret about that in the house mm. of medicine. Remember, I said a screening colonoscopy, a screening colonoscopy. Mm. Well, they have developed a term called a diagnostic, not just colonoscopy, but the other a diagnostic mammogram versus a screening mammogram. What's the difference in those two things? Absolutely nothing. The tests are almost exactly the same. There's there's minimal differential between the two. But if you get a diagnostic screening, now you have a payment that may be a couple of thousand dollars. Oh, and so, but so ooh, I feel like I just got a little inside scoop there. You're making me excited. Tip. Okay, because I love a good deal. So, yes. Yeah, so you, you go in there and you screening, ask for not a diagnostic. You make sure you ask for a diagnostic because they're going to give you a little questionnaire that's going to ask you about several symptoms. Have you had bleeding, you know, blood on the paper when you wipe yourself after bowel movement or blood in the toilet? And who hasn't had that on occasion? It happens to everybody. But if you answer yes to that, now you have just basically converted your screening colonoscopy to a diagnostic colonoscopy mm. and, and at a high cost. And, you know, I, I did. Why I, do they play tricks on us, doctor? But, Why do they do this? Why do they the, do these slights of hand? <laughs> because the Affordable Care Act said that you should be able to get it at no cost and no copay. And they don't like and that. They don't like okay. that. So they had to come up with a new <laughs> language and a new code. And I didn't know this myself as my body because I, I order my paperwork and all the traditional paperwork says screening colonoscopy, screening mammogram. But mm-hmm. I will start mm-hmm. getting calls from the hospital saying, we have your patient, Mrs. Jones, and she's here for a colonoscopy. Uh, can we do a diagnostic colonoscopy? And I said, well, sure, you have, you know, you have the paperwork right there, but uh, we, we need your, your verbal order to do a diagnostic colonoscopy. And I said, well, I ordered a colonoscopy. And, but since when I confirmed that for a diagnostic colonoscopy, now I just made it that's going to cost the patient some, some extra money. Yeah, it's a little more expensive for the patient. But once so I, thank you, know, you for that, Yeah, tip. once I learned that, <laughs> and mm, became mm, aware mm. of that, but again, that's for a variety of different tests. And then when they can't uh, do sleight of hand in that manner, They'll just come out with a new guideline and say, oh, you really don't need to get that test. You know, they have, mm. they have said now women don't need to get mammograms as often and men don't need to get prostate PSAs, uh, you know, because they can cause uh, excessive testing. So none of those guidelines wow. matter for people of color. If you're an African-American or African-American descent, black, brown, anything other than Caucasian, your risk is higher for, for mm. virtually every disease process, but particularly for those cancers. So you are eligible to have a colonoscopy at age 50. But the recommendation now is that if you're black, you get it at 45. Okay, so black folks, black folks which is ask about for everybody it. listening to us, yes, exactly. <laughs> it, you know, you need to get your screenings at starting at age 45. Now, your your insurance company is going to probably push back and say, no, you're not 50. So you have to, you know, be your own advocate and, mm. and progress for it because the guidelines say that you should have it at 45. Now, if you have a first degree relative in your family, a brother, sister, a parent uh, or a grandparent, and they have had colon cancer, you need to get screened. I don't care if you're 18 years old. You don't wait because now you have a family history and there is a genetic component Mm -hmm. to colon cancer that needs to be ruled out. And if you have that family history, the traditional frequency of screening is every 10 years if you have a negative colonoscopy. But if you have a family history, that would be cut down to at least every five. 
Okay. And so tell us, tell me, so you say that, you know, the disease plays out differently in the African-American community. Tell me a little bit about that in terms of how it's impacting us differently. Well, when, when we have uh, the colon cancer or uh, uh, malignant uh, cancer of the colon or the rectum, it, it seems that it's a, a more potent variation. And when we're mm. diagnosed, it's usually at a later stage and it's more difficult to treat. Early on, it is the easiest cancer to diagnose and it is the easiest cancer to treat. But the problem is we're not getting diagnosed early and we're not being treated. And oftentimes what happens is the same mm-hmm. thing that happened to Chadwick Boseman. You end up losing your life to it. Uh, even he fought the good fight for four years and he, he has yeah. had multiple, multiple surgeries and multiple rounds of chemotherapy. Right. So that seems like an incentive, though, for people to get checked early. Oh, absolutely. Their own advocate to get in there and ask for what they know they need, um, whether that's based on um, disease history in your family or just because of your racial identity and um, giving yourself the best chance for survival of this um, by by just being super proactive. And and at the, the challenge that I make to, to my male patients. Is treat your body the way that you would your car. I know guys that keep log books and keep their oil changed religiously every 3,000 miles. Oh, I like that yeah. analogy. And so yeah. whatever maintenance program they would have, give your body that same consideration and look out for your own health. And women in the family are traditionally the health advocates. So I will mm-hmm. tell my male patients, a good woman in your life will add 10 years to your life because she's going to make sure you take care of yourself. Or a good partner. A good oh, partner. A good partner. Yeah. A good partner. <laughs> I'll that. Uh, yeah, I'll go along with that. A good partner will do that uh, versus, uh, you know, uh, being by yourself and, and not having someone that's championing your your health. Oftentimes men are, you know, they are head of the household, et cetera. And so they're so busy taking care of everybody else and making sure, you know, that the, the rent is paid mm-hmm. and groceries in the grocery in the refrigerator. They're not looking out for their own health. And as long as they can go to work, mm-hmm. they're not worried about it. They can feel bad yeah. if they go to sleep and wake up the next morning, they're going to work. So And so yeah. it seems you were saying something about it, it seems to get um just die that, you know, diagnosed later than it should. But here's the question I have, like, what are the symptoms of colon cancer? I don't know that I know that very well. Well, abdominal pain. Okay. Constipation or diarrhea. Uh, And what I really would like to say is just a change in your bowel habits, Uh, something Mm -hmm. that's not your usual customary, a change in the the size, Mm -hmm. the frequency, the color or character of your bowel. Definitely if you have blood in the stool. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you've noticed that on more than just rare occasions, then that is a key sign, uh, you know, of a potential colon cancer and, and uh, just abdominal pain. So we got abdominal pain. We have nausea, vomiting, bloating, any kind of change in your uh, GI tract function that that is not temporary. And you notice that this is happening or, and or worsening over time. So you need to have mm-hmm. that evaluated. Now, all of those signs and symptoms can be consistent with so many other things, but they are definitely uh, colon cancers on what we call the differential diagnosis and things to rule out. And But the point is, you don't mm-hmm. have, start having those symptoms until your late stage because now yeah. it's usually due to... So you don't need to wait for these symptoms. You should you, be doing it you should be doing regardless. It. Exactly. Okay. And so, so tell me something. I know as a woman... And, you know, because I've had conversations with, you know, uh, men who have prostates um, about what that exam is like. And so we're really well read on what those screenings are like mm-hmm. for cancers of the prostate or cancers in the breast. I'm just wondering, I don't I can't say I'm very well read on what a screening for colon cancer 
is like and you're saying it's easy so i'm kind of like hmm. that is a wonderful wonderful question and and let's start off with the preparation for for the actual exam they will give you a colon cleanse of some sort that will have you basically uh going to the bathroom for the entire day prior to your colon okay. procedure that is, that is <laughs> but you know i i can't exactly say oh my god i can't believe i'm saying this that's more challenging than the, than the test itself. i mean it's not like i haven't taken an, a supplement or two sometimes in a, an attempt for weight loss <laughs> yeah <laughs> a cleanse as they say a, a, a one day cleanse a three day cleanse a seven day cleanse people are doing so you know we can do it for vanity we can do it for, our health. It for, vanity, for our health <laughs> but my point being you have to plan on that being your your really your the day that you're incapacitated because you have to be by near and accessible to a bathroom now yes. the next okay. morning you wake up you go to the facility uh they're going to either totally uh anesthetize you and put you on put you to sleep on anesthesia or give you what's called twilight and under twilight you may not be asleep but you don't care what's going on <laughs> you are very <laughs> happy to be there and uh you know, <laughs> and uh and that will last the great thing about twilight is you know as soon as they they stop giving you the medication you wake up and you're basically fully functional Mm -hmm. And so the actual apparatus, they'll lay you on your side and the colonoscope, the apparatus that they use now is about a little, about the, the thickness of a, a, an ink pen. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's very flexible now. It's very high tech. And not only can they see through it at very high definition of visuals, they can work through it. They can operate through it. They can remove lesions. If they see a polyp, they can uh, burn it. They can cut it. They can. So it could be like a one and done. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Exactly. You're and kidding this me. This has changed tremendously because the colonoscope used to be about the thickness of a water hose and it was kind of rigid. Ooh, child, don't tell me stuff like very that. Very unpleasant. <laughs> very unpleasant. That's why people would only go one time. They would never go back for the repeat colonoscope. <laughs> but that was it. Now, like I said, the technology is great. The, the colonoscope is absolutely incredible. They they clean them thoroughly between patients. So the chance of passing an infectious disease like hepatitis or HIV is uh, is minimized. I won't say zero because it's never zero but it's minimized. So you don't have to worry about those sorts of things when you get the test. It, the whole entire test takes 30 minutes at min, at maximum. And then, you know, you kind of take a little while to recover. You get up and you go home. Uh, they all, they request that you don't drive yourself home, but people could, if they really wanted to, you know, they didn't have a way other than that. But nowadays, you know, it's just a simple, it's a simple. And you're process. in there how long? How would you say how long? I would say uh, the, the actual procedure takes maybe again, a half an hour. Uh, checking in, getting undressed, getting to the table, let's say an hour, hour and a half, because they usually schedule these things like every hour. Wow. Yeah. So you're in there for an hour and a half. You can get somebody to pick you up and take you home. You know, it's a, you're going to be like incapacitated for a day because of, you know, because the, of the clean out. out. And then so, huh? so, so it's a two day process. So let's say you, yeah. you, you clean out on Thursday and you, you go get it Friday morning. Friday afternoon, you're good to go. You can eat anything you like. You can, you know, you're back to your usual self. And, you know, you'll have the weekend to get over the yeah. insult, if you will. And, you know, and, and, you, yeah. <laughs> and then you have to do it again. How soon after uh, that? If it's a normal test every 10 years, if you have a polyp or family history, uh, no less than, uh, than five, or sometimes it's, it's uh, two or three. It kind of depends on if they find a polyp, you know, that's a pre-malignant lesion. How mm -hmm. far along was it? Was it about to become cancer? Was it so early stage mm -hmm. it was really a glorified mold on the inside of your colon? So technically somebody might, if they started at 45 and did them every 10 years and they don't have a family history or any kind of abnormal results, somebody might only have three or four of these in their entire life. Exactly. Exactly. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. Particularly. For knocking out a number three 
cancer killer. But prevention-wise and as far as adding long life, it is, again, you can't beat it as far as risk versus benefits and getting it, you know, total three times in your lifetime, as you stated, and, uh, and you're clear every time, you you will do fine. And I, I tell people, uh, again, if you don't have high blood pressure, you don't have diabetes, and or if you do, those things are controlled, then, mm-hmm. you know, your life expectancy, you should definitely get your three score in 10. Um, you know, yeah. but but African-Americans, again, we, we are, mm-hmm. you know, we want to make sure that everything is, <laughs> we want to make just... sure that after we retire, we can enjoy our oh, retirement. <laughs> Uh, you know, yes, enjoy the retirement. Enjoy I know retirement. lots of lots of great folks that I just I just want them to live a good long life as long as they have as hard as they have worked. So you have given us so many insider tips here about what to call the test. So y'all, a screen you want a screening, a screening test, mammogram. not a diagnostic a test. But they will charge you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let them give you the okie doke. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> so, so there are some initiatives, right, to improve um, the number of screenings that people are actually um, ad- administering uh, that the medical community is um, getting done. And so can you tell us about any initiatives, um, some pledges? I- I've heard about the 80 percent in every community, you know, that the National Colorectal Cancel- Cancer Roundtable is doing, excuse me, National Colorectal Cancer Roundtable. And I just wanted to know, like, how, how is that going? Uh, well, it's not going as well as you'd like, because, again, uh, something like the Chadwick Bozeman situation will help tremendously mm-hmm. because it's, it's just making people aware. And it's also scaring them a little bit. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, that will help tremendously. Uh, as far as getting the 80 percent, it's just going to be outstanding. Of course, you would strive for 100 percent participation, particularly for a test. That doesn't cost you anything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but uh, again, you know, oftentimes people will wait. If they start to have symptoms, they are so concerned about a cancer diagnosis that they mm-hmm. they wait. They don't want to go. You know, I ask my patients, how long have you been having this problem? How long have you had this mass growing? You know, uh, now it's the size of a softball, you know, and it was the size of a golf ball. And before that, it was, you know, didn't exist. How long were you going to wait before you came to the doctor to get evaluated? And, you know, people are just, you know, they're afraid and frightened and, you know, they need to, this needs to be a conversation that people have. When you're in a gathering of individuals, not just family, but your friends and family, you know, you're playing cards, you're having date night and movie night and you got a group of people. Talk about health issues. Talk about things. Have mm-hmm. you had your colonoscopy? Have you had your breast and your mammogram? When was the last time you were seen by the doctor? Have you had your complete physical this year? Let's make this a standard part of our rhetoric versus finding out what the latest celebrity gossip is, you know, yeah. and, and, and et cetera, and talking about things that don't matter. Let's, let's, we'll have to look out for each other. I call my initiative mm-hmm. making black people healthy again. So instead of making America great again, we're going to make black people healthy again. I know that's right. Because I mean, yeah, yeah a lot of these things that I, we're doing, we, we could we could fix. We could minimize some of the diseases. So every time I hear that mm-hmm. black people are 300 percent higher risk for fill in the blank, heart disease, stroke, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a heart attack, all of these issues. When we could we could really impact them by just one getting screened, going to the doctor regularly taking our medications when we've been diagnosed with a disease process and not fighting the system. Oh, Dr. Collier, I don't want to take medicine. Isn't there something natural I can do? (laughs) You've heard that, I'm sure. I have, you know, and I'm not an opponent of natural medicine. I just know that um, mainstream institutions, I think, need to adjust and learn how to work together with some of 
other options as well. Oh, absolutely. Let me be um, or else we'll never clear. really know what does or doesn't work from you know a data standpoint. But um, if we never actually let folks you know have some of these options and then also consider um, how they may or may not be working on folks. Oh, right? absolutely. We, we need I'm some a, critical I'm mass a on that. Strong advocate of alternative medication uh, mm -hmm. or treatments, let's say. Uh, but these are oftentimes in addition. Absolutely. Instead of. Uh, right. So, you know, I, I, I can give you cinnamon capsules for your diabetes, but I also would like for you to take your metformin. That's and right. Let's get a let's get a better outcome. You know, uh, uh, apple cider vinegar will drop your blood pressure five points in everybody. It works. But wow. I need your blood pressure to drop 50 points. That's right. And it's not going to do that. So you can yeah. take your apple cider vinegar or your black seed oil or a variety of different supplements that I strongly advocate every day. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and recommend the patients in addition to, uh, but not instead of, but I also need you to take your blood pressure, medication, <laughs> you know, good, good and, advice. And let's work together. <laughs> yeah, let's work together. You know, I, I don't matter, but I'm not one of those physicians that would say, oh no, don't take that. That's yeah. factory or whatever, because oftentimes most products that actually work come from mother nature, come from plants. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and there's a reason that people have used plants for thousands of years for mm -hmm. a variety of different disease states. They didn't just guess or make these things yeah, up. They no had good sure. outcomes with them. And, now, and doctors need to be open to that. Now, here's a question. I know that, you know, and this is tricky, so I, forgive me, but, you know, colon cancer, all the cancers, they come from somewhere. And so I'm just wondering, are there thinking about preventative medicine, right? It's yeah. not just screening. Are there things that we can do to minimize our body um, entering into a, you know, a, a cancer disease state in the first place? Absolutely. That's such a great question. Uh, I, I love having intelligent, articulate conversation. So let me tell you, <laughs> well, cancer, you. cancer is caused by inflammation. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so things that are natural anti-inflammatories, the number one is vitamin D. Mm. Vitamin D. And we are low on that in our community. Everybody now, not just our community, everybody, you know, young, white, young, old, black, white, male, female, everybody that I test in my practice, nine out of 10 are not just low, but extraordinarily low on vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Now, the normal range on a vitamin D is between 30 and 90. Most people are less than 10. Wow. And so, and so the basic benefits of vitamin D, strong bones, nice skin, nice hair, you're not getting those. But once you get your vitamin D up above a level of 40, it boosts your immune system unlike any other thing you can do. So how do we get vitamin D into our system? What do we got to do? Okay, because it's not in the food chain the way that it used to be. I didn't it's, think so. No, it, it's, it's, it, it is. <laughs> it can't be or else these numbers wouldn't be so low. These numbers would not be so low. It is in fortified milk products, including soy milk and almond milk, which I did just find out recently because I had that question on my own radio show. And I said, I'm not sure whether they have vitamin D in them or not, but they do. Soy milk and, and uh, other milk alternatives. Mm -hmm. But, you know, your fatty fish like salmon, etc., they also have a, a substantive okay. amount of vitamin D. But you're going to have to take vitamin D supplementation. It's just no way. You can't eat enough now, to now get to the amount that you need. Isn't there a way to get vitamin D from sun exposure? Oh, absolutely. Your body would make it from sun exposure. And, and li I live in the south in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and there is technically enough sun exposure just driving my car back and forth to work, the sun coming through the windshield. So that that is beyond that. There's something else going on in the in the food chain that, or in the atmosphere. That's so the interesting. Yeah. yeah. That we're not getting vitamin D. So the recommended the, uh, the recommended dose for vitamin D is 5,000 international units per day. Okay, most people are taking three or four hundred. That's a total waste.
But if you can get mm-hmm. 5,000 in SAS units, which used to be difficult to get, but now uh, it's readily available at virtually any store, uh, particularly your vitamin shops, GNCs, et cetera. But, you know, your grocery stores ought to have it too. Uh, at 5,000 in SAS units, one per day. Uh, the things that I recommend, this is Dr. Collier's three things to enhance and prolong your life. Mm-hmm. Omega-3 fish oil, which is also an anti-inflammatory. It helps with cardiovascular health, helps decrease the incidence of heart attacks and strokes. Probiotics. Probiotics boost your immune system mm-hmm. and, and improve your gut function from your mouth to your rectum. So remember I said okay. one long tube, one long space. So that will also help decrease inflammation that's inside your intestines that would predispose you to colon cancer. Mm-hmm. So the vitamin D, the omega-3 fish oil, probiotics, those three things. If I could get everybody in the United States to take those, we could eradicate coronavirus in four weeks. And we could prolong everybody's life by a minimum of 10 years. Now, you know, I'm a stickler. I'm super picky. I know that, you know, because the fish oils have gotten so popular for yes. lots of different reasons, some of them don't quite have the balance of the kinds of oils and can go rancid or so are there things people should be looking for in the quality um, or in the, um, in, in the on the label or something to make sure that they are getting a good quality fish oil supplement or a good quality um vitamin D supplement or um, a probiotic? Absolutely. Uh, Phenomenal question. Once again, quality control for the source that you're getting and make sure that there's independent analysis of each batch that's being prepared to make sure that it it has what it's supposed to have in it. There was analysis done uh, by independent laboratory on uh, 90 different supplements that are available and probably 80% of them uh, didn't have what they were supposed to have in them. At least mm-hmm. 20% of them mm-hmm. had Because we are not of, trying to get ripped yeah. off here. So yeah. so what's the this independent analysis? Is there a, a label, a body, or a group that has a logo or something that we should be looking for on these products? Um, not necessarily a label, but when that happens, the product will usually proudly state that we are evaluated by independent label to maintain quality, etc. So there are multiple bodies that can do that. Uh, and, okay. and, and supplements do not require FDA approval because they're not medications. Exactly. But That's part of the do, reason why I know that you got to think about these things and you have to do your homework because no one is looking out for the quality control on this stuff. It's just kind of a little bit um, the wild, wild west, if you will. Now, I do wonder as far as the um, the vitamin goes, I mean, probiotics, and you can tell me if I'm off on this but i like to get my probiotics naturally by eating fermented foods is that enough no well yes it is as well as uh greek style yogurt activity brand yogurt you can eat that every day or uh, uh, frequently not necessarily every day but frequently and that will give you good probiotic dosing but if you're going to take a a, a probiotic supplement it needs to meet this criteria it needs to have more than one culture Probiotics are, are good bacteria. That's all they are. So right. some some products just have one bacterial strain in them, uh, and you you want at a minimum of three. Uh, mm. My my product has seven strains in it, and then you want the amount of each to be in the billions with a B. Billions uh-huh. of, of CFUs are colony forming units versus millions. So say for instance, you get one product that's got 
three different types of, of colonies, bacterial colonies, each one in the billions. That's a great product. You get one that has one colony that's only got one million. It's a total waste of time. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's not going to give you the benefits. But I so, mean, are you telling me that my yogurt and my kombucha is a waste of time? No, 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 no. Those <laughs> I, I stated first that those do were I, good. Do I, I just didn't know. Am I, am I like just kind of like grazing by the potential effectiveness of that? <laughs> oh, no. The practical issue with yogurt, because I'm a yogurt eater myself. Is if I need to get go to the grocery store and get two weeks worth of groceries, I got fourteen yogurt cups now. That takes up a significant amount of refrigerator space. Yeah. Uh, so uh, from the practical perspective, I can get a, a bottle of pills that, that don't need, that don't need I to be refrigerated, and then it's easier to do. But it's not a, a, a either or. You can do both. You know, I can eat okay. yogurt on occasion. I can take probiotics. So so that's a good example of one product. Let's go back to fish oil for one second. Mm -hmm. Fish oil is made from the best fish oil comes from bottom feeding fish. Okay, the problem with the bottom feeding fish is everything that sinks to the bottom of the body of water, all the toxins, all the poisons, all the discarded trash, garbage, sewage, is what's in there. It's, you know, it's, it's what the fish is eating. So that has to be removed. It's a, a purification process that can do that, but it's expensive. So yeah. oftentimes products won't do that. So if you get a fish oil capsule that's cloudy and you can't see through it, it's not been purified. If or it if smells it's fishy. too inexpensive, you should oh, well, be suspicious. You get what you pay for. If you can get a hundred <laughs> for three dollars, and you probably don't have a good product. Mm, okay. So, uh, but again, if if it smells fishy, it's probably not a good product as well. So it, it should be, and it, you shouldn't. After you've taken it, you know, an hour later, you shouldn't be burping it up, and it, and it leaves it so rancid and foul that you can't tolerate it. It makes you nauseated. So, uh -huh. uh, again, a crystal clear capsule that doesn't smell foul when you open the bottle. It needs to be a minimum of 1,000 milligrams, and you need to take, really, the therapeutic dose is between 3,000 and 4,000 milligrams of vitamin D, um, uh, omega-3 mm -hmm. fish oil per day. The problem is that once you get close to 4,000, the vitamin D gets in all of your body fluids. I mean, the uh, omega-3 fish oil, I apologize. The omega-3 fish oil gets in all your body fluids. So when you sweat, you smell fishy. Your 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 underarm smells huh. fishy. Your breath smells fishy. Your groin smells fishy, and it's never a good time to smell fishy. So you need about no. three thousand to get the benefits, uh, because taking one one thousand milligram is not a therapeutic dose. It's, it's, it helps, but it doesn't help the way that it can. So you want to take you know okay. somewhere between three thousand and four thousand. My product is one thousand four hundred eighty milligrams per capsule. You take two of those, one in the morning, one in the evening. You got an ideal dose. Without that, uh, that's not a side effect. That's just an outcome from taking a therapeutic dose so let's run through this to make sure that we've got a good prevention strategy we want to have and so you're going to have to help okay. me out okay three thousand milligrams of fish oil yeah. a day because beyond that you're just getting exactly. fishy in the least attractive ways <laughs> y'all <laughs> then you want four thousand five thousand of vitamin, vitamin Five thousand milligrams. Yeah, uh, five, no, it's international units. It's the unit of measure. It's IUs. Five thousand international units of vitamin D mm -hmm. a day, and then you want Probiotics with a minimum of three, three cultures. Million, three with cultures with, a with a billions B. of parts in the probiotics. So, do we have that? down right so far i know i've got the lingo no, all crazy right. but i just want to make sure we've got some okay and then you and then beginning at age 45 you want to start your colonoscopy age 40. ask for a colonoscopy screening and no, you said for, when? for all your other screenings uh, your prevention preventive health screening started at age 40. 
the colonoscopy starts, it was starting at age 50, but they lowered it to 45 for African-Americans. Okay. So, so breast cancer, prostate, and, um, other cancers at yes. 40, 45 for the colonoscopy screening, not diagnosis. Unless you have a family history. Unless you have a family history. And and so and you're going to advocate for yourself on that because your doctor may or may not um, be riding with exactly. you on that, depending on how he or she feels about it. And and so. So, yeah. So that's our that's what we got. That is do. where culturally sensitive health care is so important. You know, you need somebody that understands your language, understands your 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 situation, what you're going through, what you're eating, what you're drinking. And, and you can't find that sometimes. And, and that's when you're not going to get the advocacy because they don't know the black experience. And so very mm. important that you, you have, you know, communication is very important between you and your healthcare provider. So you have to have a provider that you can talk to that understands you and that you understand in return so that you are forming a healthcare team, team you to keep you healthy. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that, that uh, providers that aren't of color can't do that. But chances are mm-hmm. you're going to get a better relationship with a provider of color. Um, you know, it's just it's just the nature of the East. Yeah. And so to the to the effect of, you know, this 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 80 percent goal, yes. right, of screening for people age 50 and older, that sounds more like it should be 80 percent of black and brown patients who are 45 and older. If we're really going to be taking this from an equity lens, Um and so, you know, I've been looking at how many institutions in each of the states have taken this pledge, and it seems to me like it is drastically lower than the number of medical providers that are available in each of those states. And so I really hope that folks get moving and really think about the National Colorectal Cancer Roundtable's request, their invitation, quite frankly, to take this more seriously as a cancer that seems quite treatable and preventable if caught really early. And so their website has lots of great resources on it, nccrt.org. Um, and hopefully folks will go on there and take a pledge and count themselves as um, wanting to take such a proactive step to keep their patients healthy. That is absolutely correct. Now, there is one other option that should be available through your primary care physician. And that is something you've probably seen promoted on, on uh, commercials now called ColaGuard. ColaGuard is where they take a stool specimen and they per, per, um, perform genetic testing on there for cancer uh, cells. So if, if you're, that test is positive, then you are definitely going to have to get a colonoscopy because that means that you know, cancer cells have been detected. But this is something that you can do in the comfort of your home. You know, your primary care doctor can order it. Uh, insurance companies are covering it. And, and as the same as a screening test, so it shouldn't again shouldn't have any uh, costs associated with it. And um, what's amazing, you just collect a specimen, and the postman picks it up. I'm sure he has no idea what's in that box you're giving him. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and what should people be asking Colo for? Guard. That's a C O L O G U A R D. Colo guard, kind of like exactly. on guard. So, so Colo guard. That, okay, has been around for about three to five years but it's really become popular in the last few years once insurance has started covering it before they really weren't covering it but now they are covering it and uh, uh, that being the case for people who can't take the two days to prepare for the can't mm-hmm. take two days off don't want to go to the hospital for whatever reason if there's no provider and that's a real phenomenon you know uh, in a big city you can find gastroenterologists every other block but you know you go outside into the suburbs and further down to the smaller towns you don't have a, a gastroenterologist who can perform that test. So uh, access to healthcare is very, very important and it's not there. Mm. 
Man, I just feel, honestly, this is one of the few times I've talked to a doctor and felt really empowered. So I can only imagine what it must be like to be your patient. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, this has been a great conversation, my goodness. And so I feel like we've got lots of options and they don't feel like scary options. They feel like options that keep us, you know, in an empowered position over our health. And this seems like such a win for people to be able to put their mind at ease and to do what's best for them and to be in a position to be as healthy as possible. So this so is we, great. We've done our part. We've informed them. Now they have to take and act on the information. Again, be your That's own right. health advocate. Call your, your doctor's That's office. Right. Say, I like to have a comprehensive physical examination. Uh, and, and you want the once over. You want everything tested. Everything mm -hmm. uh, that can be mm -hmm. tested, you want tested. And then all of the screening tests that you should have. Uh, all the uh, immunizations that you should have. Uh, adult immunizations mm -hmm. include everything now from pneumonia shots, meningitis, and uh, mm -hmm. the shingle shot. But, uh, you know, mm -hmm. most people haven't kept up with their uh, tetanus shots. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just had someone that came in and needed one. When was the last time you had one? It's been 30 years, Dr. Collier. So, you know, oh it's, it's just one, one of those things that we do as adults, uh, keep up with our immunizations. All the kids do because they have to have them to go to school. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but adult yeah. immunizations are very important as well. And immunizations are the number yeah. one most beneficial health interaction that you can have. Bar none. There's nothing, you know, immunization save more lives, cure more disease, prevent more disease than any other thing you can do uh, in the world anywhere. And the United States has a very good thank immunization process. That. Yeah. Thank you for saying that as we all are praying as an entire nation for some kind of immunization or vaccine or something around the coronavirus um, the COVID-19 the coronavirus right now but until Absolutely. then take your vitamin D 5000 this national units a day boost your immune system and that will give you your best That's option right. to to either if you do catch it it should be mild uh and you should quickly recover from it but oftentimes you mm -hmm. just won't catch it because your immune system is strong yeah. enough to fight it off well I hope that I hope that people take that advice and take every precaution that they can um, but thank you so much, Dr. MJ Collier, for coming and being with us today. This has been such great information. It feels so digestible and actionable as a person who has had many losses of people precious to me to cancer and who is in community and deep friendship with people who are currently still fighting um, their cancer. I am so thankful to be able to address this topic and to get such good solid information about how we can be as healthy as possible well, thank as you so much for having me and i look forward to the next time i'm your medical ready reference don't hesitate to call on me on any medical topic though we can talk about it and <laughs> we can uh, again we can inform the, the 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 listeners and i like to say infotainment we keep them informed but we entertain them in the process as well <laughs> And listen, thank you also for continuing to be a worker on the front line in this crazy time that is known as the coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic. We know you don't have to do it. We thank you for doing it and continuing to see patients at such a critical time. My hat goes off thank to you, Thank you sir. so very much. And I have enjoyed being with you and all of your listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go to my website. Uh, lipodrops.com for more information about all of your health, but particularly information about fighting the coronavirus. And I can be reached on all social media at Ask ASK Dr. MJ. Uh, I do Facebook Live on the second and fourth Wednesdays at 7 p.m. So go to Ask Dr. MJ and tune in and get all your healthcare questions answered.
Your vote, our vote matters. Voter suppression is real and it has always been used to silence our voices. In the upcoming election, don't let anyone steal your voice or your vote. Double check that you are still registered by visiting rockthevote.org and ask a friend if you need a ride to the polls. Not only does your vote matter, but your vote is needed. Plan to vote November 3rd or vote early if you can. We are all created equal and we all have an equal voice in the voting booth. Don't let anyone stop you. Visit rockthevote.org for more information. Well, that wraps up this episode of Black Body Health, the podcast. Until next time, this is your co-host, Brittany. And ideal. You have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>